Welcome to The Word at First Pres. During the fall, we're doing a sermon series called Making Peace with the Pandemic. Each week, we're going to examine a different aspect of how the pandemic has changed our lives. We're going to reflect on our experiences and process what we've gained and lost. Thanks for listening. Our first scripture reading today is from Genesis, the third chapter. They heard the sound the Lord God, of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent tricked me, and I ate. And to the man God said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree about which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second scripture reading today comes from John 21, verses 15 to 18. When the disciples had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend to my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to So we have come to the last sermon in our sermon series, Making Peace with the Pandemic. And I've heard a lot of interesting things from people uh, as we've gone through this. I've heard some people who are very happy that we are done with this series because they didn't like having to kind of go through all the time the various things that we're talking about. It was hard to bring all these things up. I also heard from people who said they very much enjoyed it, that it allowed them to think about things from the pandemic that they hadn't considered before. And so I think there's a lot of different reactions to it, but that's the whole point of it, is that we're trying to look at how the pandemic has changed us, how it has changed our world, and how our faith can lead us towards healing. 
And so today, for our last sermon, we, of course, go to our interviews that you're going to watch. And I always say this, I think it's very important if you see the people who are in these interviews, thank them. They were very vulnerable by talking about their lives. And today, we're going to be hearing from Cynthia Hiskis, who is an elder on session, very important to helping us get through the pandemic at this time. And you're going to be hearing from our organist, Chris Urban. So let's hear what they have to say. The World Health Organization has declared coronavirus a global pandemic. More than 3,700 people have now been added to the COVID-19 death toll in New York City. COVID-19 has battered the global economy, causing the worst recession since the Great Depression. COVID has killed more people in one day than the number of people killed on D-Day. life prior to the pandemic. Really was, you know, I worked at Kraft Foods, had been there for 15 years. Life should be really described for me as busy. So every day commuting an hour each way, um, meetings all day, often flying all over the country for different assignments, different meetings. I, for four years in a row, I got to 1K on United. That means I threw, flew 100,000 miles in a year to get there. Um, and then, you know, when all that was going on, I also had my responsibilities at church, right? So I had to come back to, church for rehearsals, be here for Sunday mornings, busy. Uh, before the pandemic began, I commuted downtown, took the train back and forth every day, five days a week. When I was traveling, I was visiting our centers. I work for Oak Street Health and we run um, primary care centers for adults. And so I would visit some of those centers in the different uh, states where we had those and when I was traveling. And then um, otherwise, while I was downtown, I was usually going to meetings and, and interviewing people or meeting people um, during the day. In March, when everything started to shut down, the company decided to go 100% remote. So that meant uh, no more commuting, it meant no more meetings, everything moved to Zoom. All of my travel was, was canceled for the rest of the year. At church, we shut things down. Our last service was on, on March 15th and things sort of went into to hibernation mode. All of a sudden, everything just went, came to a standstill and it gave me time to think and reflect that I frankly never gave myself the time to do. I'm a, I'm a doer, I'm always busy, always going. You know, and it's funny, I, I actually even think about Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. That really rang true for me, just being still and having to reflect and think about life and just stopping for a little bit and just going through that, that process of reflection about where, where I am in my life and what the, the meaning of, of life is. Things all kind of started and then really took off very quickly. Within a week, we had established for a small number of us, for about five of us who were on the executive team, a daily um, checkpoint that happened five days a week at 8 a.m. and continued for about probably five months. Everyone was at home during that time. Um, our three kids, 
our dog and my husband. And um, my trajectory ended up being, um, I really need to focus on the things that I needed to focus on. And then I could break from that and then shift to, um, shift to something else. And for me, because I was at home, that shift was being able to be with my kids more because I was never home with my kids during the day. Um, so being able just to see them in just kind of a regular pattern and rhythm of things was actually kind of a, um, a treat that you, I wouldn't necessarily have expected and I didn't really tell anybody anything about for a while because I felt a little bit guilty that I felt excited that this horrible thing happening in the world was allowing me to be able to spend um, different kinds of time with my kids in a way that I wouldn't have been able to before. Really listening, I think that's probably a big, um, a big shift was listening more intently and then being able to, again, not just try to fix things, but listen and be with people. I, I feel like I want to have, a, I don't want to say quality, but a different, uh, a different quality of relationship with people. And maybe it's because you, you know, the, the time is precious, but it's, it's a finite amount. Like, you know, you only have so much of it. Um, but also because it kind of takes a little bit of work and energy to have the relationship, to have a deeper conversation, or to really maybe care about somebody, or really care about what they're answering you after you ask the question. And it causes you to have to slow down. For me, I started to reflect on, I'm at a midpoint, I'm, I just turned 43. I'm ha my father's 86, am I halfway through my life? And as I look back on what I've accomplished, um, are the, am I doing the things that are most meaningful to me and that I'm most, most passionate about? What became clear to me was what I had been doing for 20 years in the corporate world wasn't really my passion and it wasn't an intersection of what I'm most passionate about and what the world needs. I've played hundreds of funerals and I can tell you I can count on probably one hand the number of funerals where someone has actually said, this person worked at X Corporation for 30 years and, and did X, Y, and Z. It's not, it's not what life is about. It's about the impact you have on people, um, on, on relationships, how you loved, how you served. That's what's important in life. And I felt like I was not in a position um, my life wasn't in a place where that was happening most effectively. So I started having a conversation uh, you know, with, with leadership about what an exit from the organization would look like, how I could gracefully bow out. All of this happening, I think, in the context of the pandemic and getting the freedom from the organization for literally nine months to experience life outside of the grind <laughs> helped to um, further and precipitate those, those conversations that I don't think would have happened before. My takeaway from the pandemic, first of all, I am so thankful to be part of a faith community like First Press because I don't think I would have had the experience and the realization about where my life was going without a place, a community like this, because it's your compass. It directs you in where you go in life and it really makes you understand what's important. And I think having this faith community and that experience for me was really pivotal in making me, helping me make that decision. I felt a level of confidence um, and reassurance in 
and what I can do in life based a lot of what we talk about here at, at First Press. So I think the one learning that is really um, universal and transcends time is the spirit and the drive of the human race to be able to say, okay, you gave this to me and I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get together with some other people and figure it out. I'm going to figure some of this out on my own and we're all going to move forward. In a um, interesting way, that has given me a lot of faith in whatever is to come will be okay. Okay, so for our last sermon in this series, what I want to focus on this morning is how we have had the opportunity, many of us, to ask the question, what is most important to us in life? And what I want to talk about specifically is why is it that the pandemic has provided us with the conditions, the environment, to really ask that question. Last week, if you were here, you know that we talked about the idea that people had time in their lives to really reflect on what they were doing, many for the first time. You heard Chris Urban talk about this in his interview when he was discussing how he was going, going, going all the time. True for many of us? I assume? Yes, right? Going, going, going. And he never had the time to ask himself the question, is what I'm doing right now what I want to be doing? That is a profound question. And it's a very hard question to ask because if you come to the conclusion, no, what I'm doing right now is not what I want to be doing, then you have to come and take the steps to change that. And I think that's what happened to a lot of people during the pandemic. I heard a fascinating interview on the radio where I was listening to them talk about a huge problem that you all are probably well aware of, which is how people have been exiting the food service industry in droves. And so they started doing these interviews with people who were in the food service industry, asking them, why did you leave? And there was one interview that really struck me. They were talking to this cook. He'd worked at the same restaurant for 10 years, loved his job, loved it. He loved making food for his patrons. And then the pandemic hits, he goes home, he's sitting there. And while he's sitting there, he realizes that in the 10 years that he's worked at this job, he always worked eight to 10 hour shift. He never took more than a five minute break the entire time he was doing those shifts. Just going all the time. And then he started reflecting on his health. He was really out of shape. He was not in a good place mentally. He didn't really have relationships because he was working all the time. And so when the restaurant came back to him and they said, hey, we're opening again, are you ready to get back to work? He said, no, because he realized that the toll that job had taken on his health was so much that he didn't want to go back to it. And he said he would have never realized that if he was just in the middle of it all. And I think that's what happened to a lot of people in the food service industry. Whether you were a hostess or a busboy or a chef or a waitress, whatever you were doing, a lot of restaurants, and this is not true of all restaurants, but a lot of restaurants can be very toxic, their culture and environment. You as the end user may not see that, but being there, it can be really, really hard for people. And so I think what happened was people kind of decided, you know what, I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to do something that's going to bring me some joy in my life. And it took seeing that, it took getting away from it to actually have an objective view on it. But time wasn't the only thing that allowed people to have these revelations in their lives. 
The fact is, the pandemic, when we look at it, is about a virus, right? And that virus did what? It threatened our health, did it not? So it's not like we were just walking around and everything was okay and we just got time off. We had to worry about the fact that this virus could get us sick, that people were dying everywhere. And so I think that was something that really focused our attention because when life is not guaranteed, you're like, okay, let's talk about what matters. What did Chris say in his interview? I thought this was really interesting too. And I've done a lot of funerals, not as many as Judy, but I've done a lot. And I can tell you that when it comes down to it, he is absolutely right. What you did for a living means nothing. How much money you made means nothing. What kind of car you drove, nobody cares. What matters is, did you have good relationships with the people around you? Did you invest in those relationships? And so I think what happened was, people looked at the pandemic, they had this time to sit back, and they thought to themselves, I'm working this job, I'm killing myself, and I'm not investing in my relationships. And so, the pandemic also helped people to see those relationships, they can be gone in an instant. So you need to invest in them. And I think that's what happened with Cynthia in her interview, right? I thought this was really beautiful how she talked about how, you know, as a result of the pandemic, she could be home with her kids for the first time, which she said, I felt kind of guilty about. I felt guilty that I was home with my children. But prior to that, she wasn't. That wasn't part of her life because she was just going all the time. And the pandemic also helped her to refocus. You know, you heard her talk about how she started listening really for the first time in a different way, particularly to her family. And it's not like she didn't listen before, right? But, you know, when you're going all the time, how do you listen? Like somebody says something and it kind of goes through you. You don't really like hear it. And I remember I was talking with Cynthia about this. And she said, you know, and she was joking with me, but this is true to it. She said, you know, I'm sitting there listening to my kids. I'm at home with them. I'm listening to them talk. She goes, wow, you guys are really interesting people. Like, <laughs> like really amazing folks. And it's not that she didn't know that, but she, for the first time, was really, like, really hearing them. And so I think that for Cynthia, she really woke up to a lot of what she was missing. And that's what the scripture reading you heard from Judy where she's talking about Genesis. That's the Adam and Eve story. My favorite myth in the entire Bible. I love this particular story. Love it. It is so multi-layered. There's so much to it. So let me give you a little bit of context of what's going on. So God creates Adam and Eve, places them in the Garden of Eden, right? And in the garden, there's one rule. You can eat from any of the fruit of any of the trees in the garden, but you can't eat from the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, when they do eat from the fruit of the tree, Judy did not read this today, but I want you to see this. This is very important. It says the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together, and they made loincloths for themselves. Now, in a sense, what happens is Adam and Eve become aware. They wake up to themselves. They become aware, conscious of who they are internally and in relation to other people externally. And this is what happens when we are children, right? And we're kind of growing up. You notice in this that in the Adam and Eve story, they're naked, right? Remember in this part that Judy read, right? They're like, who told you you were naked, <laughs> right? That's what God says. So the thing is, they don't know they're naked. If you know little kids, right? If you watch little kids as they grow up, 
they don't have any concept that being naked is bad or wrong or anything. There's no shame around it for them when they're little. But then as they kind of grow up and they go from childhood and they're kind of aging into their teenage years, they do become aware of that. And then all of a sudden, they want there to be that distance. No, I don't want you to see me that way anymore. And so as we age from childhood into adulthood, we become aware of the world. And in the story, what do they do? They eat the fruit and it's the tree of knowledge of what? What is it? Good and evil, right? And so as we become aware, a big part of becoming aware is becoming aware of the good and the evil in the world, our relationship to that. And so one of the things, I think you all probably remember this when you were growing up, some of you who are younger, that's happening to you right now, but you come to realize how unfair the world is, how hard the world can be, how harsh it can be. This is in the story as well. Uh, You see that in the part that you read. When Adam is cursed by God, God says you're going to toil with the earth to to, to be able to bring forth the food that you need. Now, the fact is, think about it, that, that or, this was an oral tradition, it was passed by, by word of mouth, this story, from one generation to the next. This is 3,000 years ago. Was life hard back then? For sure it was. Really hard. And you had to work all the time, otherwise you weren't going to be able to survive. And that's really built into who we are today, right? Like today it's a little bit easier. We have technology, we have medicine, we have a lot of these things that make life a lot easier. But surviving is still a big part of who we are. And so what I think happens is that the problem with survival is you can focus so much on surviving that you miss out on all the joy that life has to offer. Do you know what I'm saying by that? You can live your life without really living. Do you know what I mean? Like you're so focused on survival and just doing the things you have to do that you just miss out on all the wonderful things that are around you. And I think what the pandemic did is that it woke people up to the fact that they were just surviving and not living. And they didn't want to do that anymore. They said, I don't want to just survive. I want to live my life because it's short and I don't know how long I have. And so I think what happened is the pandemic, it kind of shook us out of this survival stupor and we decided to look at, well, what matters? And I think for Chris, when he was talking about this in his interview, the things that really mattered to him, he started asking himself a bunch of questions. What am I passionate about? What does the world need now? And how can I make the world a better place? And Chris, when he was looking through this and asking himself these questions, he decided that where he was working, he didn't want to work there anymore. So he left. And we were very fortunate because he decided to focus on this church. I mean, you guys, we, we usually are in the chapel. We don't get to see Chris. Chris, you're right back there. Come here. Come here. He's walking around. How long have you been working at this church? 20 years. He looks like he's 12, but he's been here for 20 years. <laughs> he sits at this organ. He's remarkable. If you, I mean, you all know, some of you come to that other service, to the traditional service. He's remarkable at what he does. Little did we know, the guy's moonlighting as an executive at Kraft Foods, and he's in their marketing department. And so he decides he doesn't want to be there anymore, and he chooses to take all of those skills and talents and to bring them here to our church. It's the reason why 
he helped us to create a lot of like communication stuff, like just stuff like this, like so that you guys know what we're doing. Um, remarkable, right? That we might actually tell you everything that's going on. You can see it in one place. He figures this out and he's like, hey, we need to do this. And he's done a lot of things to bring our community together in one place. And that wouldn't have happened if Chris hadn't had this moment where he thought to himself, well, am I focused on the right things or am I focused on the wrong things? Have you ever had that happen to you where you have this moment where you're asking yourself the question, am I focused on the wrong things? I certainly have. It's happened to me several times in my life. And I can tell you that's exactly what happens to Peter in the scripture you heard me read today. Peter was focused on the wrong things. Context around this one. This is very important. So that particular story that we read, that happens at the end of the Gospel of John, which means that it's right after Jesus' death, his execution, and his resurrection, right? Why does that matter? It matters because that means that a few chapters before, Peter rejected Jesus and denied ever having known him. So that's really important to this conversation. So Peter, he's out on the Lake of Galilee, he's fishing, he sees Jesus on the shore, he goes in and he starts having breakfast. They have breakfast together, right? And so Jesus, he asks Peter, a series of questions, probing questions. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? Now the word that Jesus uses for love, the Greek word is agape. And agapo, right there, as you can see, means unconditional love. So unconditional love, this is the love that we associate with God. So in a very basic sense, what He's asking me, saying, do you love me unconditionally in the same way that God loves you unconditionally? And the answer to that question is obviously no, because if he did, then he wouldn't have abandoned Jesus in his hour of greatest need. And Peter kind of owns this, because when he responds to Jesus, he says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Now, the word that Peter uses for love is the word filio. Now, filio is the love that is between friends. It's a different kind of love. So, Peter, or so Jesus, he says, do you love me unconditionally? And Peter's like, well, I love you, but, you know, kind of more like a friend, right? And although we would sit there and we'd say, yeah, like, friendship love can be deep and intimate, it's not necessarily unconditional, right? So, again, Jesus asks the same question. He uses agape, and Peter uses the word philia. And then we get to the third time. And the third time Jesus asks the question of Peter, he uses the word philia. He comes down to Peter's level, and he says, okay, do you love me like a friend? Now, this hurts Peter's feelings, because essentially what Jesus is saying is, do you really love me like a friend? Because I kind of remember you abandoning me back there when I needed you. And so that really hurts Peter deep down because it feels like Jesus is pouring salt in the wound of their friendship. But that conversation was important because Jesus wanted to point out to Peter that he was focused on the wrong things. What do I mean by that? Well, if you read the Gospels closely, what you will see is that Jesus talks about sacrifice a lot. And when he talks about sacrifice, he's basically saying, look, if you're going to be with me, you've got to be willing to give up everything. And yet his disciples, 
they don't really seem to get that. Like, they're not really listening to him. So Jesus will be like, okay, guys, I just want to be clear on this. You with me? You got to go all the way. Like, we're talking about a lot of sacrifice. And they're like, yeah, yeah, boss, sure. Sacrifice everything. We're on it. No problem. Right? And then when it actually comes time to sacrifice everything, where he's going to the cross and they're like, see you later. Didn't realize this was part of the equation. They bow out. Right? So they weren't prepared. What becomes clear is that they were more concerned with the glory of being associated with Jesus than actually doing the things Jesus asked of them. And this is true of a lot of Christians to this day. Most Christians, in my opinion, are more concerned with saying that they're Christian and being associated with Jesus than actually living out the things Jesus is asking of them. And this is why Christians often are criticized as being hypocrites. We say one thing, we do another. And so this conversation where Jesus is speaking to Peter, he's bringing up that hypocrisy. And he's hearkening back to that pattern of saying, we talked about sacrifice, you didn't get it. And so when he's saying, do you love me? He's really saying, do you understand the level of sacrifice that I'm asking of you now? And Peter does get it. Because he would go on to become one of the most important leaders in the early church, and he would. He would sacrifice everything he had for Jesus' movement. That's what you see at the end of the scripture I talked to you about, which is that he is crucified. So I can't help but wonder if when Jesus asks him this, if those questions that Chris asked himself are going through his mind. What am I passionate about? What does the world need now? And how can I make the world a better place? And for Peter, he said, the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to be part of Jesus' movement. I'm going to take this thing and make it a worldwide religion. You all should be asking yourselves this same question. What am I passionate about? What does the world need now? And how can I make the world a better place? Now for Chris... He said he wouldn't have been able to answer those questions unless he had been here in this place. This is what allowed him to do it. This place was like a compass to him. It helped him navigate it. And that means a lot to me that he would say that because that's exactly what I try to do with my sermons. I try to give you the necessary tools so that you can make the right decisions that will bring meaning and purpose to your lives. That's what I care about doing here. And so if you have felt lost during the pandemic, if you feel unmoored, if you feel you don't know how to find your way, you don't know what you're doing, this is the right place for you. This is the place to discern that, to figure out where you're going. And I love what Cynthia said at the end of her interview. She said that when we as human beings, when we work together on a huge problem, we often are able to figure out our way through that. We're Together, we can do amazing things. And you see that happening. Together, we're all working on this problem in same way, some way. Scientists are out there. They're trying to figure out medicines and cures for this. Thank God for those people. Yes. And then you have people like us in here. And this community is trying to help you find your way through the darkness towards the light. And so as we wake up from this nightmare that has been the pandemic, I hope you will remember a couple of things. The first thing I hope you remember is how important our relationships are and how quickly they can be gone. So you need to invest in those relationships now. Don't let those go by.
The second thing is that we need to reflect on the blessings that we have here, the blessings of our lives, and we need to be asking ourselves the question, what am I passionate about? How can I serve other people? How can I make the world a better place? How can I sacrifice in the way that Jesus sacrificed for me? And ultimately, I believe that together, we will make it to the other side of this. We will be stronger as a result. And I truly, truly hope that for all of you here, that you have had the opportunity to reflect, to look at your lives, to try to figure out how you personally can make peace with the pandemic and how you can feel as though you're part of a community that cares for you. That's what we're here for. That's what we're all about. And thank you for being a part of this series and getting us back together as a church. Amen. Thanks for listening. And if you want to learn more about First Presbyterian Church of Arlington Heights, please visit www.firstpresah.org for more information on service times, directions, and to learn more about the First Pres family of faith.